Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome in to Best on the Board here on a Monday, November 1st. Michael Beller and Andrew DeWitt with you uh, to start off this episode of Best on the Board. We of course want to say hope everyone had a very happy Halloween and a happy Week 8 in the NFL world. DeWitt and I though, we're looking past Week 8, we're looking on to Week 9. DeWitt, how was your Halloween weekend? Uh, pretty good, had too much candy for sure. Lappy Tappies for the win. Strawberry, not banana. Uh, had a pretty good betting weekend. And then uh, let's get ready to dig into week nine. There's some interesting spreads out there. Yeah, there already are some interesting spreads out there. We've got four teams on by, which means a 14-game week coming our way in week nine. One and one for both of us last week, which puts you at seven and five on the season. And here I am, DeWitt, man. One and one every single week. Seven and seven on the season for me going into this week nine slate. Let's just get it started. Uh, you've got, uh, let's see, we've got uh, three favorites and a dog among our four picks here. You've got a couple of favorites, and uh, the first one just pulled off a huge trade. Rams and Titans getting together on one side. Titans playing without Derrick Henry for the rest of the season. Rams pulling off a big trade for Von Miller. You like the home team, the Rams, land the seven on BetMGM. Let's hear the reasoning. Um, yeah, I mean, can you imagine what Von Miller's going to do with Aaron Donald picking up most of the double teams? I feel like <laughs> Von Miller spent most of his career double teamed by most teams. Yeah. Um, and so if in, he's at, he's towards, he's not like, he's probably towards the middle of his career right now. He's not as young as he was a couple years ago, but I think this is going to be a fresh start for him. Who is? He's going pl- to be playing for a team that is like legit Super Bowl contenders. I'm sure those future mm-hmm. odds are going to start moving towards the Rams way if they haven't already this morning. Um, and I think, you know, the Titans are just going to have to struggle to find their way without Derrick Henry right out of the bat here. There's reports that are bringing Adrian Peterson as like a tryout this week, which I think they're just kind of floating that so they can probably get a cheaper trade for a running back like Marlon Mack. But that's in the division, so I don't think the Colts are going to trade Marlon Mack to the Titans. Yeah. Um, and they just, you know, they so, just cut Jordan Wilkins too. Right. So like where, like where are the Titans going to go to get a, a running back this week? And you know, maybe that's allows Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball to AJ Brown some more, but I just don't see the Titans offense kind of figuring out this week. I think going into the, the Rams are a really tough matchup. You have no mm-hmm. history between these two teams because they're cross conference. They don't play that often. You know, I just see the Titans kind of struggling in this game and the Rams offense being able to find their way against the Titans defense. And just, I think the Rams at home will run away with this on Sunday night football. I like this too, and you know, again, we we are always looking for spreads that we think are going to move here on Monday, and this one definitely feels like the worst thing you're going to have on the Rams is a touchdown. Like, there's no way this crosses a touchdown and is Rams minus six and a half or Rams minus six by the weekend. It'd be very surprising. Something else to think about here: the Titans. I mean, you know, they're they're three games up on the Colts in the AFC South with a road win in hand, so like it's going to take a lot for them to not win the AFC South. Like, like this game, in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean anything to the Titans. Like a loss to the Rams 
this really isn't going to affect the Titans long term. So it's almost like a good week for them to use as a feeling out period. Like, what is this new offense, this Derrick Henryless offense that we're going to play for the rest of the season? So I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, just take it sort of easy, as, as easy as a team can take it in an NFL week. I, I like this pick quite a bit. Rams minus seven against the Titans. I'm going to go to the total opposite end of the spectrum. You're back in the Rams. I'm back in the Houston Texans. Seven and a half point underdogs in Miami in week nine. This DeWitt is 100% entirely a bet on Tyrod Taylor uh, being able to make his return for the Texans this week. And it sounds like that's going to be the case. He was reportedly close to being able to return in week eight. We've already heard from David Culley. Surprise, no, no surprise here. No quarterback controversy between Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills. When Tyrod is ready to come back, he is going to be this team's starter. This is just way too many points for this team to be getting with Taylor back under center. Go back to week one. We know that this team can be plucky with Terod Taylor as the starting quarterback, a game where they beat the Jaguars, uh, and not only beat them, but just crushed them, put up 30-whatever points in that game. Like, this is... This is not a terrible, hopeless offense when Terod Taylor is the starting quarterback. And so I think the moment, the moment we hear good news about uh, Taylor in practice this week, we see this come down under a touchdown. I want to jump on it right now while I can still get the Texans getting more than a touchdown in Miami. This is going to be, I think, a short-lived opportunity. I'm grabbing it while I can. Yeah, I think the the Texans, you know, I don't think the Dolphins should be a seven-point favorite against any team in the NFL. Just pointing that out. I mean, the Texans have been really bad the last couple of weeks, but like you said, there's good optimism. Tyrod Taylor comes back this week. The Dolphins have not looked very good. They're coming off a road game last week. I mean, I can see why you this line is going to move towards the Texans during the week, and that's why one reason to grab it early. I think they played better, they being Miami. I think they played better than the 26-11 final score against the Bills suggests in that Week 8 game. But they were still just putting up 11 points. But I say I think they played better. I think they actually did a decent job keeping the Bills' offense in check. Josh Allen made a few nice plays, which we expect from Josh Allen. But they really made that an inefficient passing game. Kept Stephon Diggs down for most of the game. Made the Bills win by death of a thousand cuts with Cole Beasley. And so and I think that that was a nice defensive performance from Miami. But still, this is not a team that should be laying seven and a half against anyone. This is a one-win team that won one win coming way back in week one against the Patriots. And if Damian Harris doesn't fumble late in that game, we could be talking about an 0-8 Dolphins team very easily. So they do not deserve to be seven and a half point favorites, excuse me, against anyone. Definitely not a team in the Texans getting their starting quarterback back almost certainly this week. Let's go on to your next pick here, DeWitt. Ravens and Vikings getting together in what could be a fun game if we get the good version of the Vikings. Ravens open up at BetMGM as five and a half point favorites. What do you like here and why? Like we were talking about earlier, you just want to grab a line that you think is going to grow during the week. This seems like a line that the, the odds makers didn't want to put it down at like three and a half or four for the Ravens, but they didn't want to put it all the way at seven because they were thinking people are going to come grab the Vikings at six and a half or seven. So they're kind of like, put it in the middle. Let's see which way the money comes in. And then we'll just kind of wait it out during the week. And then we can move it whichever direction, you know, on Wednesday or Thursday before mm-hmm. the, when the casual betters really start digging into it. So I just see like, and I'm, probably overreacting to Sunday Night Football. I'll just go out there and throw that out there. But that team performance, especially on offense last night from the Vikings, was really, really bad. Like, they have Kirk Cousins, who's this multi-million dollar quarterback they paid. They have great running back. They have two stud wide receivers and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Like, what Like what were they doing last night? And why were they afraid to attack the Cowboys' defense? Whereas the Cowboys' offense, with a backup quarterback, attacked the Vikings on that last drive when they could have played it more conservative settled for the field goal, went to overtime. Um, you know, I just see this line going up. 
during the week. And I think, you know, the Ravens are getting healthier um, as this goes on. They've had a lot of injuries on the back end. Their secondaries had some injuries. I just see this line kind of growing throughout the week, like maybe like Ravens six and a half or seven by the time it kicks off. So that's kind of why I'm taking the Ravens right now. And I'm not, I just don't believe in the Vikings right now. They just seem like that team had zero mojo going on the sideline last night. They looked like a team that wasn't engaged in a Sunday night football game against a backup quarterback. Jekyll and Hyde team, the Vikings are. We know that that offense can be really good. We've seen it. We've seen it against bad teams. We've seen it against good teams. We've seen that be a really explosive offense. And I was expecting, you know, with Dak, without Dak, I was expecting that to be a a strong offensive performance from the Vikings. With Dak, I was expecting it to be an up-and-down sort of game. But even when we knew Dak wasn't going to be playing last night, that that wasn't going to necessarily force the Vikings to have the foot on the gas all night, but I still thought we would see a really efficient performance, especially from the passing game. Just wasn't there. Justin Jefferson did have to spend some time out of that game dealing with some minor injuries. He uh, was in more than he was not in. Just four targets for Justin Jefferson. It was just a discombobulated game from the, from the Vikings right from the jump. And so I think there's a bounce-back possibility here, which is why I can't get fully on board with this pick of yours as opposed to the Rams-Titans one. But I, I see the logic and I see where you're going with the Ravens team that you know got a well-timed buy and can come off of that for this home game with the Vikings. Last NFL pick of the show here, DeWitt. I am going to the Buffalo Bills. Biggest spread on the board right now. Bills minus 14.5 at the Jaguars. I'm going to keep this one nice and simple, DeWitt, and you can tell me what you think about it. The Bills have played four games this season where they were head and shoulders better than their opponent. They've played both of their games against the Dolphins. They played the Washington football team, and they played the Houston Texans. Week uh, First game against the Dolphins, 35 nothing. Next week, they play Washington, 43-21. Week after that, they play Houston, 40 to nothing. And then just yesterday, their second game against the Dolphins, 26-11. When this Bills team gets a team in front of it that it is clearly head and shoulders, miles better than, it just takes care of business and, and blows them out of the building. And I don't see any reason to think that that's not going to be the case against a listless Jaguars team that... And just really laid an egg in Seattle in what felt like could be a favorable spot for them against a ho-hum Seattle defense coming off a bye, and they get blown out of the water 31-7. to I think the Bills cruise in this game. Yep, I agree. There'll be tons of Bills fans down in Jacksonville enjoying the sun. The Bills players will probably be enjoying the sun. I mean, I just think <laughs> there's all the right reasons to get on the Bills right here. Like, I was I, I bet on the Jaguars plus three and a half against the Seahawks. So did I, really I. Th- I, bet I, really, on, I. I took the money line. I took the money line on that one. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a great situation for them. You know, they just won. They had their bye week after going to London. Yeah. You know, they you know they had to travel cross country again, which maybe played a factor in that. We you know the travel always is a thing, but mm-hmm. I just I just expected a lot more from the Jaguars yesterday. But I guess let's just go back to the basics. It's Urban Meyer team. We know it's going to happen there. So. Yeah, I think the Bills is a safe play right now, and I think that line will go up throughout the week. Plus, we've seen this trend right now of, you know, these favorites that are big favorites, except for the backdoor cover by the Texans yesterday. Against, I mean, it's been like some blowout games. So I I think we're seeing bigger spreads than we're used to. We're seeing these teams take care of business. I think the Bills is a good bet right now at 14.5. Yeah, the Bills have now shown us four times, four opportunities that they've had these big spreads and four times they have covered these big spreads. They just don't seem like the sort of team thus far that has been vulnerable to that backdoor cover. So I will go ahead and hope that the Bills make it five for five. Give me the Bills minus 14 and a half at the Jaguars. DeWitt, that's it for this episode for you, at least. Thanks for being with us on Best on the Board. Have a good one. All right, it is Monday, which means it's an NBA day on Best on the Board. Tass Mellis joining us now. Tass, what's going on? How you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. 
I am. Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm. I'm excited to build on at least build on what you had for us a week ago. A one and one week for you. I went zero and one with my uh, Monte Morris pick. Didn't come through for me, but you know we're just we're getting our feet wet with this NBA season. Uh, things have picked up for us in the NFL side of the uh, operation. Hopefully we can start doing that here with the NBA and this episode. And got a good slate, a good full Monday slate of games. Certainly no shortage of options for us at BetMGM. Uh, you got a couple of dogs you like for us. Let's hear the first one. Portland plus two at Philadelphia. It's an interesting one because Philadelphia is looking good. Joel Embiid, his knees are not looking so good. If you watch him play, despite them winning two games in a row, he hasn't been great. He is banged up. And I think Yusuf Nurkic on the other side of the ball is going to be a pretty good matchup for him. Nurkic is playing well this season, even though the Blazers aren't playing to their capabilities. Nurkic is uh, bonding with Coach Chauncey Billups. There, a great article written by Jason Quick on that on The Athletic. I see them bouncing back like they have after every loss with a win this season. They lost yesterday, so it is a back-to-back for Portland. They they had a close game with Charlotte that went down to the wire, uh, but they lost. And Damian Lillard still has not come out of that shooting slump he's had all season. But against this Philly backcourt, I see that as a good possibility of happening. Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry. Tyrese Maxey, a young player, did play well in their previous game, but... I like looking at that and saying, well, he's not going to have a great game every single night out. So if they bring in Matisse Thibel to guard Damian Lillard, which will happen throughout the game, I think it might even be too late when they bring him off the bench of the second, third quarter. Blazers bounce back while the Sixers, I think they uh, their record is showing that they're better than they actually are. So I, I like Portland in this spot. Something we always like to think about uh, when we're considering our bets is the other side of this. If this were, if the, if you were going to have a pause in this one, if you were thinking that this one goes off the rails for you, where can the Sixers make it go that way? Mm, that's a very good question. I think Tobias Harris can probably go off against the Blazers' defense. Uh, Tobias Harris um, is a guy who's had more of a role this year, and he could easily go for 25-30. He's feeling good. Uh, in, in his role uh, so there, it could be there and the the Lillard slump which is mm-hmm. a huge mystery although you know it did happen last year in the March April uh, run of games there was about a 10 run uh, 10 game run where he was shooting about I don't know 34 percent if that continues then the Blazers are in a bad spot uh, but uh, Damian Lillard is a leader and <laughs> what happens in the NBA when you've got a guy like that is you bounce back after losses again Every single loss for the Blazers has been followed up by a win, so I see that happening. All right, I'm going to take us over to Propland as I did last Prop week. Propland, beautiful place. Propland is, I mean, it's a, it's lovely this time of year too. Right? You know, like fall, it's just falls when you want to be in Propland, absolutely. And hey, I was in Propland with the Nuggets last week. I'm going back to Propland, back with the Nuggets, but the other side. Give me Desmond Bain over 15 and a half points for a few reasons. First and foremost, it's a number he's hit every single game this season. Clearly, he's going to have a big role for this Memphis team. I think even when Dylan Brooks is able to uh, return from his hand injury, Desmond Bain is going to retain a pretty large role for this Memphis team this season. He's averaging 18.8 points. He's averaging nearly 30 minutes a game, and he is shooting a ton of threes, as we would expect. No no fewer than six three-point attempts in any game for Desmond Bain this season. He's connecting on him at a good rate, but at this point, 15 and a half points, we really just want to see the fact that he's getting to put them up there. And so I think as long 
as he can stay in the groove that he's been in this season, 15 and a half feels like a pretty soft number for him. And that actually is the only thing that has me concerned in this one, Tass, because not only mm-hmm. is it at a number that is three points below his season average to date, but I'm getting even money on this. This is not something where BetMGM is asking me to lay a little bit of juice at minus 110 or minus 115. This is plus 100. So it does feel a tiny bit trappy. But I Mm -hmm. feel okay with the way Bain's been playing, with the opportunity he's been getting, the run he's been getting, playing alongside John Morant. I think he's able to keep this rolling and get over the 15 and a half. Quite trappy. There's something about that 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 doesn't feel right. If it's below his average, maybe people think that he's playing a Denver Nuggets team that plays an up and down uh, style and gives up a lot of points. But that is not the case. Uh, They will slow it down when they want, and their defense has been really, really solid uh, to start the season like it was last year. So I'm a little bit worried here, Michael. <laughs> i got to be honest. Uh, this, that number just doesn't feel right. Is it a case of a guy who doesn't have a huge name in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Not a huge track and, record of being yeah, this sort of player. Right, right. You know, a second-year guy, are, are they uh-huh. just looking for bets, period? Is that is that the the idea behind this low line? I'm not sure. Yeah, and I don't really try to get into the head of the odds makers because uh, it's just going to lead you. That's going to that's the opposite of prop land, right? We love prop mm-hmm. land this time. Your odds heads of the odds makers not at all where I want to be. So I go into this <laughs> eyes wide open, acknowledging that three points below his season average and getting even money on it feels a little bit sketchy. But with the run he's getting, it's it's really bad. It's it's the shot attempts he's getting every game and the amount of playing time he's getting every game with Ja taking away so much of the attention in the backcourt too. Like this just feels like. Maybe we're not quite catching up to the sort of role Desmond Bain's going to accept. So that's true, too. Like I said, right? I mean, Dylan Brooks was going to be that secondary guy in the backcourt. And so with him out, I just feel like maybe we haven't fully caught up to the player that Memphis is going to be asking Desmond Bain to be for this entire season. So I will take this opportunity while I've got it, even while acknowledging feels a tiny bit trappy on this one. We got one more pick for you. Bulls and Celtics. Bulls two and a half point dogs in Boston. What do you like here, Tess? Well, the Chicago Bulls are just frankly just playing far better basketball than the two and four. They are. They're five five and one. Uh, The Celtics are two and four. So this honestly feels a a tiny bit trappy. The Bulls are two and a half point dogs. The Chicago just defeated the last undefeated team, the Utah Jazz, on Saturday night. And it was a gritty win. It was a non-Bulls type win. Over the last few years, they haven't been able to win games where Zach Levine didn't play all that well. Same goes for Nikola Vucevic. He didn't play all that well. But I think Zach Levine is taking the next step as a star. Winning games that just don't seem winnable when he didn't have a good shooting night. But him and his teammates gritted it out. While on the other side, the Boston Celtics are not doing that. They're not playing together on either end. They're just not cohesive on either end and I'm probably looking way too much into things but on Saturday against the the Washington Wizards the Celtics lining up for a free throw and it was Washington Spencer Dinwiddie at the line and Al Horford of the Celtics does this thing when someone bricks a free throw someone bricks it and he ducks as if someone's throwing something at him haha joke well Jason Tatum (laughs) also did it at the exact same time as Spencer Dinwiddie did it they're joking around on this team. It's like a flashback to last year where mm-hmm. everything, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're playing hard at times. But I, I just feel like this this locker room isn't ready to take that next step like the Bulls are. And, yeah, I, I definitely want to point out that I could be very wrong about this Bulls team. <laughs> but it just, it, it just feels like they, are, as you said, 
Uh, the trophy's coming. It feels like uh, it just feels like they are ready to take that next step. While Boston um, is absolutely not. They lost two games in a row to the Washington Wizards, and that's not easy to do in, mm. in NBA action, especially earlier in the year. You really, really, really predominantly see splits when teams play two games against each other in a row. So the Celtics don't like the spot for them. Two and a half for the Bulls. Getting points, I would think mm-hmm. that the Bulls would absolutely be favorites in this game. So it feels a bit odd, but if you're watching the games, I think the Bulls should win this outright. And they've certainly looked the part this season. Front court a little bit in flux as they figure out the rotation with Pat Williams out for the you know bulk of the season here after suffering that wrist injury. But uh, this is one. But, but even that, on Saturday, they had some the, the yeah. bigs come in. Tony Bradley came in. Derek Jones Jr. found his got the most minutes that he's had all season. And they figured it out. It just feels like, again, the locker room is uh, ready for that next man up type uh, mentality, while Boston is not. Yeah, they had a, a really strong narrative of winning the offseason in Chicago with all the moves that they made. And it's picked up right there, exactly where you would want it to be if you were buying into that narrative. So that's going to uh, be our final pick for this show, Bulls plus two and a half at the Celtics. That will wrap up this episode of Best on the Board. Thanks to everyone on YouTube for joining us. And of course, all you out there in the regular podcast world, thank you as well. If you are following any of our picks, good luck. Hey, if you're, if you're going against us, Good luck as well. We want you out there to be happy and win. And for Tass Mellis and Andrew DeWitt, I am Michael Beller. Best on the board returns on Thursday. Good luck tonight. Happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.